0: So, what is it about a good joke that makes it a good joke? Well, one of the things that makes it a good joke is that you don't see the punchline coming, it catches you off guard. You know, it might use everyday, ordinary characters until it gets to the point that it wants to really come in through the side door and surprise you, and then you roar in laughter. Good jokes are both normal because it gives you something you can relate to, but they're also not obvious in the sense that you see the twist coming. And I think that that's the work that parables do. And so we talked last time about how parables work, what they are, why Jesus used them, the fact that a third of everything that we have that was recorded that Jesus said uh, and taught was in parable form. And so we've laid that groundwork, and now I'm really ready just to get into the parables. And rather than, again, just go through them and just thin slice them and analyze them, what I want to do is let the parables do their work on me. Let the parables do their work on you. And so you're going to see some things here that I don't see. The parable is going to meet you in a way that it doesn't meet me because your life is different than my life, and what God is doing in your heart is different than what God is doing in my heart. Same parable, different impact. So remember, there's not one right way to interpret a parable. There are many ways that the parable is going to interpret you. So let's get into the first one. This is the parable of the lost coin, and it's sandwiched between the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost son, or as we might call it, the parable of a prodigal son, which prodigal doesn't mean lost. Prodigal just means lavish over the top, and that's how both the son who was lost and the father who remained home. Both of them lived that way. turns out that the lost son was actually the elder son, but we'll talk about that maybe at another time if we do that particular parable. So I'm going to read a little bit before the parable we're going to study today so you get the context. Now the tax collectors and sinners, Luke 15, were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, and so he told them this parable, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, and this is our verse and parable for the day, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, we need to see who the characters in the story are. Well, You have tax collectors and sinners, outsiders who are drawing near to Jesus, and Jesus is receiving them. And then you have Pharisees and scribes who are upset over this and saying that this more or less isn't the way that a religious leader should conduct himself. And Jesus seems perfectly okay with this to the point that he he doesn't fight back them. He starts telling them a story so that even they can wake up to the goodness of God. So before we're too hard on the scribes and Pharisees, let's remember that it's their job to keep and to teach the law. Sinners are sinners. They're not well-behaving people. And it's easy for us to find ourselves maybe in this story and as the character of Jesus or maybe we instantly make ourselves the character of the tax collectors and sinners maybe there is a little bit of scribes and pharisees inside of us so don't too quickly identify with any one of them especially the good people because the 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 point of the parable is to wake us up ever more to the goodness of God in light of how we are living so Tax collectors and sinners, drawing near to him, scribes and Pharisees upset about this. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus tells them a parable. And in the parable, who do we have as the lead? We have a woman. Right out of the gate, it's a woman who is the, the lead or the heroine of the story. And while it isn't always that women have exact equal footing, Uh, in the New Testament and in the Hebrew Bible, it's not always the case, but it's not always not the case. It's not unusual uh, that a woman would be the one in power. You have people like Deborah and you have people like Ruth and you have people like Esther. um, And they were operating inside of cultures and systems that were not always designed for their proliferation, for their flourishing, and yet we still see women rising. And Luke is keen to point out in his gospel narratives the role of women disciples. And so I think that it's interesting here that the woman is the lead character in this particular story, but it was a man who was the lead character right before that. And I think that that's a point that sometimes people are going to elevate and make the whole thing about, but that's not the point of the story. It's not that it's not important in the story. It's just not the point of the story. Because the point of the story is actually about the goodness and the grace of God. And so a woman had how many coins? Had 10 silver coins. In the previous parable, it was 100 sheep and one of them was lost. So uh, would you notice if you had 100 cats and one of them went missing? It might take you a little while. You had 100 chickens and one of them went missing you had 100 ants and one went missing it might even take me a while if i had 10 pennies laying on a table and one of them went missing i probably would not look at that and just automatically notice there's a penny missing oh my goodness there's a penny missing uh even if it was a hundred dollar bill if there were 10 100 bills stacked on top of one another or laying in a pile you're not likely to just lay them out like this to where there's five and there's four and you're like, well, obviously there's one missing. How does she know it was missing? Because she counted. She pays attention to what she has within her care. So it's not lost on me that this woman had her own money. Well, that's an interesting thing that Luke wants you to know. She had access to her own funds. Nobody, no man was out there Keeping her money for her. She had access to her own funds and she lost something that was of value. Well, what was the value of that one silver coin? So it says ten drachmas uh, in in the story. A drachma was a Greek coin approximately equal in value to a Roman denarius. Well, thank you so much. That clears up absolutely nothing for me. The next line: a denarius was worth about a day's wage for a laborer. So she lost a day's wage. That's meaningful. It may not send her under, but it's meaningful. If she finds it, it's not like she hit the lottery, but it's meaningful. So while it isn't like the most important thing in the world, it does matter. And so she has 10, she loses one. What does she do? She lights a lamp. Why does she light a lamp? Because she doesn't have windows all around her house. It's rather dark in there. So she lights a lamp, a candle. She lights a lamp. She goes around. She sweeps the house. She has these dirt floors. It probably has some debris on it. She's trying to clear some things out. Maybe it was a little more affluent, and she had these stone floors that have cracks in them. She sweeps so she can see if the coin's in between the, cl- the cracks. She looks all over until she finds it. And then when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors. In the Greek, it's all feminine plural, which means these are women in this case, in the way that the Greek is structured. These are women that are coming around. So a woman has other women that are coming around. And she's saying, rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. And then Jesus says, it's the same way. When one sinner repents, the angels of God rejoice. The thing that this story is doing to me is it's showing me that it's God who seeks what's lost, and it's showing me that Jesus revealed to us what God is like by receiving the outsiders and by seeking what was lost, which necessarily asks the question of me, Tommy, are you seeking the lost? The parables are meant to do their work on you. If you can look and nod and find yourself perfectly at home and at ease with the parable, you're not listening. Do sinners matter as much to you as they matter to God? Well, that's not possible, but we could at least care a little bit more. You see, she knew one was lost because she was counting. And if we take the divine view, God knows every human life that has ever existed and that is on this earth right now. And each one is noticed, counted, numbered, and named by God. Do we look around our lives and pay attention to the people that are maybe a little bit difficult sometimes to welcome and to receive? Do we go after them, not with turn or burn, but with love, acceptance, and forgiveness? Or do we just tolerate them at family reunions? Well, the heart of God, it seems, is to go after that which is lost. And there's another part of this that stands out to me. It's that God is the one who seeks us even while we are lost. And even Though being people of Christian faith, perhaps you are, we are. Even being people of faith, we lose the plot, we wander, we stray, and yet there's nowhere we can go that God does not seek us and find us, throw us on his shoulders and bring us home, call the heavens together, and rejoices over one sinner who repents. The story, I hope, continues to work on us, to surprise us, because I think amidst all of the intentions that might be behind the story, one of them is to show us there is a loving and graceful and merciful God. Another intention in this story might be to say, are you full of love and grace like God? Well, it's the parable of the lost coin. I want to take just a minute here at the end and encourage you to write a comment and say, this is where this parable is impacting me. Or to say, this is something that I found interesting. And then I want to encourage you this week to think about this parable. It's not long. It's, it's three, three sentences. I mean, this, meant this much content. Think about this week the people that might be in your house, whether within the walls or just within your sphere of influence, that God might want to elevate in your heart a little bit. And then ask yourself, God, is there any way in which I'm lost and you want me to repent? Think about these things this week and let the parable do its work on you and be full of joy and peace and open to getting in on the inside joke that the kingdom of heaven is a party where anyone's welcome at the table, all are received, and God rejoices as people wake up to that great reality. Bless you, my friends. We will see you again for another parable, Stories That Shape the Soul.